You guys said that the magic in, in this combination was that no one had to adapt. But now you've been a band together for a couple of years. And I'm wondering, as a band together, how you've not adapted so much as, you know, sort of gelled more, congealed, become more of a unit. Yeah, we tighten up a bit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's only not quite that tight. Uh, no, not, not, not quite that tight. don't sound like that, but it's... Yeah. And you're with the same guys all the time. It's just... It, it tends I mean, come on, we, we live next door to each other. <laughs> you guys pretty, like each other that tight. much, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but no, but just now it's too late to move, and there's all kinds of problems with Yeah, I mean, he likes me that much, but I don't like him. But we spend a lot of time together. It's like, on, you know, if I see Edward down the beach, I go down there. Or if he sees me down there, he comes out, hey, you know, I'm coming yeah. down, you know. Yeah, and Alex, I have another house. Alan lives like two minutes away, so we see each other every day. The only one, Mike, the only one we never see is him. He lives out in Booneysville. <laughs> you guys all live next door to each other in different locations. And, and Mike doesn't invite us to his house because we have to go so far. By the time we get there, we get By tore up, and then we all have again. to stay all night. <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine said that having Sammy in the band freed you, Eddie, to indulge more in heavy melody to build stronger, more lasting choruses. Do you think that's true? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you said it like a question. Yes. Yeah. I mean, do you yes. feel freer? Oh. I, well, it's, you mean as opposed to the old model? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever really been, let me just say yes. Okay. That's a fuse. You know the real reason why we like Mike so much? Why? Because he makes us all look smarter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting out in the audience watching Mike in his band called Snake, and he was lead singing and playing bass like, like, great, you know. And I went, "Hey Al, that's what we need for a bass player," you know. So uh, we both went to the same junior college in Pasadena, and somehow a friend of mine got his number. I called him up a couple, couple of weeks later. He was in the band, and he's, he has a very unique voice. I don't know anybody that can sing higher than him except sometimes Sammy. Depending and, on the I mean, word. No, <laughs> in, 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 the, in, the studio, in the studio, we call him Cannon Mouth. Because when we're all three singing around the same microphone, here's Sammy and I, and Mike's back here. <laughs> anyway, you know, he, he, he basically can play anything you ask him to play, and he's got a hell of a voice, and without him, Van Halen would not be. So the future for Van Halen is unlimited. Monsters are rock right now. You said it. <laughs> okay. Just like Dream said, higher and higher. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. All right, Pooney, it's summertime, and it's time to do our Van Halen album review. We're hitting the eighth studio album, OU812, this month. Are you excited? Are you are you psyched? Are you hip to it? Uh, this is the end of my teen years. I am 19 years old when this album comes out. 
It is a definitely an interesting part of my life. Well, like the rest of the Van Halen episodes that we've done, releasing one every month, we got to bring along a special guest. And this month, we're excited to have none other than Cobras and Fire's own Loose Cannon. Loose, what's going on, baby? Or should I call you LC? Yeah, I'll go with LC. Uh, I'm, I'm changing it. I'm, I'm down to just the initials now. Uh, it's, a, it's a new me, but yes, excited to be here. Thank you, Puni. Thank you, Steven. I'm here to talk some Van Halen. I'm excited because what I'm wondering is when in your career do we move from LC to just a symbol and what will that symbol look like? Hmm. I'm not sure about the symbol, but I'm thinking that I, I, I may redo it where it's actually going to change it to the yes as an L C E L S I, you know, Spanish and everything like that. So I might, that's going to be possibly my next change is just calling me the yes. I'm thinking that we could just have like a man bag, a European man purse, and have <laughs> LC across it, and you guys can sell that at Rock and Bob. Yeah, I'd probably sell as much as my t-shirts I've been trying to shill. So, <laughs> please take them, $5 free! Well, I'm sure by the time this episode comes out at the end of August, all the fine folks will have... Uh, uh, heard all about Rock and Pod this year, and as we record this, of course, it hasn't happened. But when people hear it, it will have happened. So hopefully, we'll have a good time with that. Absolutely, we couldn't find any other sucker to do OU812. <laughs> so <laughs> Stephen goes, I think we should get loose. He yeah. doesn't know any better. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm like, that's the one you're giving me. All right, the, the, the sucker in a three piece. I'm ready. All right, so we're talking all things OU812, Van Halen's eighth studio record. Luce, where does Van Halen come into the picture for you? When was your introduction to Van Halen, and how were they introduced to you? Yeah, so Van Halen's actually one of the first, I would say, hard rock bands that kind of jumped out where I didn't know, you know, kind of what music I liked. But I remember hearing, it, and I don't think you'll hear this now, but I think it was like, I don't know, a Madonna song, a Cyndi Lauper song, and then all of a sudden... Panama would jump on, you know, regular rock radio where you're not going to have that kind of, unless it's one of those Jack or whatever they call them, like a crazy mix stations now. But that's how it was back then. And all of a sudden that comes on and I'm like, why does he want to ease his seat back? I'm only eight years old, but it sounds pretty exciting. You know, and you hear the car engine, you hear that, that the guitar just ripping through the speakers. And I'm like, I like this, but it wasn't until like 86, 87, I started getting into all their albums and things like that. So I would say right around 84. I mean, I heard it when I was, you know, a little kid, but I I, ins- I was instantly drawn to that sound. I didn't know why, but uh it would it would uh end up having me waste hours and hours of my life doing a podcast about the genre. And it was another product of the MTV era. So you're a product of the MTV era where uh they had Cindy Lauper, Madonna, REM and Van Halen all at the same time. This is what was hitting heavy at the time. Yeah, but it was it was actually the the radio. I'm just saying, totally agree. But it wasn't even the visual. I didn't even know what they looked like when I heard it. I just knew I liked the sound. Is my point. But MTV was driving radio at that point. That's true. Good point. It all went hand in hand for sure. Let's get into some basic facts about this record. Record was released on May 24th, 1988. It was recorded in September through April of '88. And from what I understand, the record was completed roughly about a month before its release, which is, that's really quick timing because it takes some time to put the artwork together and do all these things for promotion and everything. So that was a tight schedule. My guess, it was probably driven by Warner Brothers. They wanted the product and uh, forced the band to get busy with it. The album was recorded at 5150 Studios in California. This was the second album or I guess third album technically that was recorded there at 5150. 
The length of the record is 5009, labels Warner Brothers and the producer. For the first time, Van Halen is credited pretty much as the sole producer, although they also gave producer credits to Don Landy, the engineer. Original title of the record was Bone, B-O-N-E, but Alex Van Halen hated that. Uh, so the album was eventually changed to OU812, which Sammy Hagar said he saw it on the side of a delivery truck. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot which of... Is where, which is where all great artists get their inspiration. Exactly. I've since read that that's true, but I've also since read that OU812 turns up on a license plate in a Cheech and Chong movie and turns oh, up, yeah. turns up okay. in two or three other places as well. So I don't know. I've never seen it, but that's that's what I read. Can I ask one other thing on that too? That so is it true or not that whole thing about that they named it that way because eat them and smile is that true or not? We've heard that too. Mm -hmm. That's the other story that's out there. Correct. Okay. We don't know really. Um, what's also interesting is this thing got released on May twenty fourth. The Monsters of Rock tour that year included Van Halen, and the tour started on May twenty third. So I'm thinking Warner Brothers is pushing this thing because they're about to go on a two month Monsters of Rock tour. Oh with yeah. A huge bill, and they need an album to sell. Yeah. And I have to think that the whole David Lee Roth thing is a uh, myth. And the reason I say that is because at this point, they've already had all the success with 5150. Time has already gone by pretty much. Eat em and Smile was released way back when. So I think both parties at this point have moved on completely. They don't, they don't give a shit what Dave's doing at this point. That's why I kind of seem odd, that story, all the time. What were your kind of reaction to the title? You're like, okay, so all... Sammy era things are going to have numbers or some kind of acronym. Was, was that kind of your reaction? That's what it was for me. And it, it was my reaction at the time. And also because I worked for a record distributor around this same period of time, I thought that OU812 was the actual product number on the side spine of the record. <laughs> oh, okay. And the reason gotcha. I say that is because that's what that yes record was. What is it? 902... Whatever that yes record is with leave it and everything on it, owner of a lonely I'm, I'm heart. Sorry, I didn't know there was. I didn't know there was yes references to today. Well, yeah, I'm just <laughs> saying that that was the product number. Whatever that title mm. was was the product number the on skew. the spine. Yeah, the skew. Exactly. All right. All right. So uh, let's get into a little bit about what the album cover was. So the album cover was a throwback to the Beatles, basically '64 album covers, just a picture of the four of them with all black on it. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Lazy as hell. That's what this is. Yes. I can tell you the album cover kind of ties into the fact that it was done and it was out in a month. Maybe that. And actually, for whatever reason, now that you tell me that the Beatles thing, I always kind of, it kind of remind me, even though it's not the same thing, it reminded me of like, I don't know, like Bohemian Rhapsody or that one scene where all their heads are there or, or stuff like that. But I can tell you one thing. It certainly doesn't scream rock. I saw this. I'm like, these are just like four, looks like four random dudes. And it looks like the photographer was Olin Mills. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does, it, I, I, you know, it looks like the only thing that's missing is that like fade out on the outside, you know, like the 80s kind of photos. The other thing I was looking at yesterday, I'm like, wait a second. Is that the dynasty when they're in the the white? What are those things? Uh, straight jackets? Oh, yeah, that sure. Dynasty? That's almost how they're set up on dynasty. I can straight jacket poster, Right. And they're Kiss fans. Right. So, well, Sammy's not. But everybody else. <laughs> the back cover I like much better. That should yeah, be the album cover. That as the front, it would have actually at least provoked a little more thought. And it kind of looks like a continuation of you know the fifty one fifty oiled up. You know, it's kind of that same kind of zone of of imagery, I guess. And that back photo, I guess, is a fairly famous photo by mm -hmm. a German artist. 
which I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce that name because it's crazy. Because you won't do it right anyway. So <laughs> exactly. Can, can you please try it? It's always fun hearing you speak. Sonny always has the computer say it for me anyway, in most cases. Ah, damn it. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the computer's good for. Okay. The album sold 4 million copies overall. I think that was probably anchored on the success of When It's Love and Cabo Wabo, maybe. Finish What You Started. Those are the three anchors of this record that sold all those uh, records, because 4 million copies. I mean, that's decent. It's not groundbreaking at this period of time, but it's, it's not bad. Definitely off the mark from the last album that they had all the success with. So, Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Sonny, you want to get into this track by track? Yeah, so before we get to the track by track, I want to uh, tell you about this Monsters of Rock. So, well, Elsie, you were too young, and Stephen, you were probably too old to go to uh, shows like this. But anyway, <laughs> uh, teenagers <laughs> went to Monsters of Rock 88, and to give you an idea, when they played here, Van Halen's obviously headlining, Scorpions are playing, they're on Savage Amusement right now, and Rhythm of Love is kind of running its course. Dawkins plays, they're about to break up. Metallica is just getting started and about to become the biggest band in the world. And then you got Kingdom Come opening, which is, well, it's Kingdom Come, so who cares? Right. <laughs> it was a great show. There was a food fight at Candlestick when the show was here. It was stupid. But I remember really enjoying the show going, oh, my God, you know, this thing is going to be huger than huge. It really only lasted till like, July. This tour only lasts a couple of months, which I guess if you have that big of a bill, you really can't have it last past the summer anyway. But uh, I thought it was a great tour. So for Monsters of Rock, that was one of the first times I ever saw, like, a fest bill, like, go on tour. In my recollection, that was like one of these first big tours. Yes. Even then, being somewhat familiar with all those bands and not knowing who Kingdom Come was, like it just seemed kind of a mishmash. It was just an interesting lineup, I guess. Did you think it? Were you like, bam, that makes perfect sense when you saw the lineup? I mean, I think it was cool. I loved to go, but yeah, for me, it was because Metallica was from here, right? Gotcha. So I'm like, oh, okay, they're hooked up on this tour because they're trying to get bigger, kind of thing. Yeah, right? because they haven't really hit the. Although it's '88 and Injustice for All. Is I don't know if it's about to come out or has just come out. It's really the self-titled album that gets them there, right? The black album gets them right. there. So, yeah, I, I thought it was fine because the rest of the guys fit. It's sure. really Metallica, and that's the oddball. I guess so. I didn't see that tour. I would have loved to have seen it, but I just, for whatever reason, I don't think. Yeah, because it attracts teenagers, not 30-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> would you have gone if Yes was on the bill? <laughs> Maybe. I would have gone if they heard on the bill. He keeps calling it 90210. I think yeah. he wants the TV show to be on the bill. I, I That's what just, it is. Just so you know, the answer to yes is always no. <laughs> I like yes. I agree. Okay. All right. So getting to the tracks, let's start with, according to Sammy, the best Van Hagar song, Mine All Mine. I'm not sure I agree with that. Elsie, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I have a couple things to, to mention on this. And I think the working title for Mine All Mine was Rejected Miami Vice theme song. <laughs> That's exactly the beginning part. All I think about is that. And I just imagine those boobs like bouncing by like in the beginning theme song. Yes. That's what I hear from this song.
But one thing I'm gonna mention too about Mine All Mine is this is the first track on what I will prove today is Van Halen's best and only concept album. I have all the evidence. I'm gonna lay it out track by track. And you know, Mine All Mine, another working title was not an opener. This is not an opener for, for, for an album, but lyrics, as far as I shook hands with the devil, looked him in the eye, looked like a long lost friend. That's pretty cool for Sammy. I like those lyrics, but not one thing I've tried filled me up inside or felt like mine, all mine. This is the beginning of Sammy's journey for completion to be part of the universe. And this is the track one where he is lost and he needs to find his way. Definitely not a, uh, something that's ever been added to a playlist. <laughs> That's an interesting take. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Uh, Steven, you, the song shows, obviously, Eddie still has it. There's no doubt about that. But the song doesn't exactly have punch enough to be an opener, kind of like what Elsie's saying. But Van Halen did that a lot. They didn't always open with punch in the head. Yeah, that's true. And sadly, after Luce's commentary, I'll never listen to this song the same again, because now all <laughs> I see is Don Johnson. <laughs> He's right, though. He's 100% right, and I never thought about it, but you're you're dead on point with that synopsis. I don't love this song. The first thing that hit me was the production sounds really, really thin, uh, and the lyrics are kind of all over the place. I read after the fact that Sammy literally had so much trouble writing lyrics for this he said he rewrote the lyrics i think seven times for this song and he's never had issues writing lyrics but to this song so i don't love this song i think it's okay i like some of the lyrics but what is it about is it about religion is it about you know who knows what's in his head but he's lost he's lost Stephen. he needs to find his way it's just okay for me the sequencing never made sense until I listened to this album 75 times in the last week preparing for this episode. Now it makes complete sense why this is the opener. Please proceed. All right. So the next track, you don't need Desmond Child. You don't need Holly Knight. You don't need Michael Bolton. You don't need Diane Warren. You don't need Richard Marks. You get the pop perfection of a Van Halen written when it's love. I don't care who hates this song. This is a goddamn perfect pop song. Elsie, I'm sure you're going to hate on it, but uh, I love it. No, I'm not going to hate on it. Again, I'll just start with it. Each time I come in, I'm going to let you know the journey here. Okay. So right now, Sammy was lost and now he has found love. He has found that person that's going to help him in his, his, his life journey. And it's starting to come. He's now he's starting to feel like a complete person that happens to before this time. He didn't know there was, there was another way to rock. He thought there's only one. Okay. He couldn't drive 55. Now he can because of love. Okay. And uh, also, let you note know as well, the original title for this was When It's Love, Why Can't It Just Walk In? It's a good question. and But they decided to take that and split it into the Why Can't, When It's, and Walk In Love trilogy. I will rank mine real quick, if you wouldn't mind. I go Why Can't, then When It's, and then Walk In Last.
You, Steven, how do you how do you rank the Love Trilogy? Because <laughs> they almost are the same song. <laughs> yeah, the difference is... There's the aliens other, in some of them. <laughs> yeah, those other songs don't have a red suit that pops off the screen, and there's no head scratch before the solo. Because that is a cool part of the video. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, my thought on this uh, song is it is a good pop song. It's not particularly my brand of Van Halen, but it's a good pop song where I talked about Sammy having the problems writing the lyrics on the first song, Mine on Mine. He had the opposite problem with this song. He said Eddie played him the music on keyboards to this song, and he came up with the melody almost instantaneously. He said it was really easy for him. Also, I'd note that the solo on this song is fantastic. Eddie was quoted as saying that this solo was a nod to one of his guitar heroes, Eric Clapton. And when you listen to it with that in mind, you can kind of hear that. So, yeah, good song. From a production standpoint, real quick, in all seriousness, do either of you know what the keyboard right goes, ding, 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 and you hear kind of like a click right after it? Is that actually the sound of the key you think hitting it? Or is that like an effect or a reverb? I always thought that was kind of different. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's a click track. I don't think it's a click track. I think it's just part of the overall uh, sound that they dialed up for the Oberheim. I think that's an Oberheim keyboard. They were popular at the time. And uh, yeah, I think it's just part of that sound. But I'd have to listen closer. I also thought it was kind of curious when they left that in. You know what I mean? Anyway. So now I'm getting a hint here because the third track is AFU Naturally Wired. And I guess love does naturally wire you. Maybe I stole some of the things there. But anyway, one of the things that you get on this album, loose and that, this is probably the top of Sammy's range. Like this album, Sammy is screaming at a level that I don't think you really hear him do that the rest of his career after this. So, and he's, I think he's in his mid thirties, maybe even early forties by the time this comes out. So that doesn't surprise me that his voice is basically in the bang zone. But, uh, this is probably the closest you get to classic Van Halen on this album, right? Leaves? Yeah. I mean, that from the drums to just the way it builds up, this is kind of, for me, this song is, Kind of get up, but a better version of it, I think, from 5150, where you got that just that rapid fire kind of Van Halen by loves. But you're right. I didn't think about his vocals. He, he is going off on this song, right? He sounds excellent. Vocals all across the board. First off, I'll let you know, and, and Baco came up with this term. I am not an anti-Samite, okay? I do like Sammy, equally with the Roth era. But uh, yeah, he kills it on this song. And you're right. This is where he's feeling naturally wired. His axe is cutting him deep. He's back. He's ready to go on tour. He's ready to take over the world. He's ready to go under the stage and get with groupies again. You know, during this, whenever anybody are doing their bass solos and, and whatnot, he's ready to go. But I will tell you the lyrics. When my axe cuts me deep, I let it bleed on the stage, off my strings, down my face, all over me. I'm going to sum that up. It's gross. <laughs>
I remember when I first saw this album, Stephen, because I'm I'm working at Target by this time, and I'm running camera sound, so it has musical movies. So when this album came out, I was basically in charge of putting it out that day. I might have listened to it a couple of days earlier, which I wasn't supposed to do, obviously, but uh, that might have happened. But I remember when I saw the AFU title, I'm like, oh, that's gonna he's gonna be cursing yeah. in that song. Yep, exactly. And it, it surprised me, Stephen. Did it surprise you? Uh, I didn't know what AFU was. I had no idea, but I will tell you that the first time I heard this song was the first time I said, "Oh God, there's a hope for this album after all." Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I sequencing. was yeah, I was worried uh, when I put this album on, and the first thing you hear is "Mine All Mine." I was kind of like meh, and then they move into the pop ballad, and I'm kind of like, "Oh God." And then they get to this, and I'm like, there's the old Van Halen. Okay, there we go. Uh, some rock and shit. I really like it. Now, one of the common themes on this record, which it happens before this song, but I can't give enough props to Michael Anthony's background vocals on this particular record. He's always been great all throughout all the Van Halen records, but they really shine on this record. And that's good because they sure as hell ain't got his bass in the mix on this record at all. Oh, good point. Yeah, his vocals... He kills in this one too. Uh, just to go to finish up my concept thing about this, this could have, you know, how, how you want to push this, this could have been an opener, nice drum intro, build up. You know, this would make sense if it wasn't a concept album. So it, <laughs> this, 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 this screws up the story having it first. But I'll just lay the other lyrics on there too. Again, 75 times in a week I've listened to this album. When the rest have packed it up, I'm alive, I'm electric inspired. This is the turnaround point for Sammy. I have to put in a disclaimer here because people are going to tune in this episode and go, what the hell is this guy talking about a concept record? To those that aren't familiar with Loose Cannon's uh, particular <laughs> brand of humor. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Never take anything that Loose says with 100% truth. It's kind of usually like sprinkled with truth, but completely false. Please continue. But also completely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So leading into the next track, Cabo Wabo. You know, you take about, I don't know, 90% of the song out, and it could make a great commercial for the Cantina, because I really enjoy the Cantina. But uh, I, I think it's an okay song. It's just, it's way too long in the tooth. Luce, what about you? Couldn't disagree more. This song is a, a top Sammy era, and Van Halen song from a period. I don't know. All I can tell you is Eddie's guitar sound is called the what? The brown, brown sound? Not on this record. Okay, but in general, but I've always thought of Van Halen is if I want to think of a color is green. I think of summer. I think it just I think everybody does. It just you know happiness, all this stuff like Cabo Wabo, 
is, I mean, this is summer nights with a GPS location. Okay. We're talking about the, when I hear this, I hear, you know, there's a sleepy town south of the border. If you go there once, you'd be there twice. Genius, Sammy. Lyrics right there. Come on. Simple, but effective. It's better than uh, Test of Time. Well, whatever that lyric is, it makes no sense. Lots of pretty girls coming by the dozens. The white sand sure makes a tan look nice. Yes, it does. This song, all six minutes, is pure just rock glory for me.
you like know how it fits in the concept as well? Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is the part you're thinking like, would make Sammy mine all mine. What's well, right there in the lyrics? It's right there. It says, where the guave worm, well, he's mine, all mine. His journey was to get to that worm. And it's right there. It connects track one to track four to complete the first album of this. But not one thing I've tried filled me up or felt like mine, except the guave worm. I rest my case. I will be done with this this track. And you can wow. proceed. All righty. <laughs> Steven, it's Cabo Wabo, not just the song, but just the entity itself has some crazy history. Because two years after this song comes out, Sammy's not allowed to wear any Cabo Wabo shirts on stage anymore. Yeah. They're breaking apart at the seams. He gets a tattoo and just goes shirtless so that way he can still remember that. his cantina. Like I said, it's an okay song. Steven, your thoughts? Well, so to go a little bit further in the history, and I have to say that after Luce's connection interpretation, I'm going to go fire up a fatty and uh, <laughs> pretend like I'm on the beach in Cabo Wabo just to understand what the hell he's talking about. But anyway... To go a little bit deeper into the Cabo Wabo thing, uh, and I read it in his book, in Sammy's book, which, by the way, is a great book. He had the Van Halen brothers as investors in Cabo Wabo initially. And when Cabo Wabo first started out, it wasn't what it became. It struggled for a long time, and they dumped a lot of money in it. And I think the Van Halen brothers lost money, but eventually Sammy bought them out. Well, when he bought them out and paid them back, Cabo Wabo broke big and the investors saw returns on their money. So this is part of the problem with the issue between the Van Halen brothers and Sammy. That started them down this path of ugliness a little bit because it all ties back to money a lot of times. What do you know? What a big surprise. But I like this song. The thing is, is that I grew up in Florida, so there's a piece of my DNA that is all about the beach and vacations. That's part of my history. It's part of my DNA. So I identify with, yes, and this is going to get flack from a lot of places. I identify with the Jimmy Buffetts and Kenny Chesneys and songs like this that bring me back to that sleepy beach town where I grew up. That's important to me, and I don't forget about that part of it. Also, if you think about it, Sammy, after this song, Sammy sort of became almost a beach personality. He started showing up with Kenny Chesney. He started showing up in shorts and and flip-flops. You didn't really have that personality from Sammy before all of this. I mean, go back to his solo records, go back to the early Van Halen stuff. There was none of that personality with Sammy. And now he's become this sort of California beach bum after this song. I'm guessing you get a lot of that out of the, his book read, right? Like as far as all that, that, yeah. that book is fascinating. Like if you think about Cabo Wabo, I didn't think about the whole beach transformation, but there's so much stuff. I mean, he, the tequila that he made more money, I guess, selling than his entire time in the music business. That, that's what I remember yes. from that book. I mean, Think about that. Just one location, you know, on a map, name, controversy with a band, a lot of stuff with just six minute, a six minute song you can trace to. And it's not just that. If you read that book, I mean, Sammy's got money and it's not from the music business. He made a lot of money with his bike shop. He had a mountain bike shop he made a ton of money with. Some kind of sprinkler business or something to do with lawns, I remember, too. Nice. It's like, seriously. I don't remember that part, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I'll, 
That's not bullshit. I'll give the facts. But the bottom line is Sammy either has good business people working for him or he's a decent business person himself, but he's not all about the music. And that book gave me a little bit more of a newfound respect for him. Oh, yeah. That was a great book. One of the best, uh, I think, biographies is those layered. All right. So next track. Okay. I love Sammy. Sammy's one of my top 10 guys. Oh. But if this is really a one-take song, do it over because it's complete shit. This is the worst Van Halen song out there. No doubt. This is the worst Sammy song out there. And there's some people that say, uh, that talk about they were trying to get a little bit of the hot for teacher fail or try to answer Yankee Rose. I'm like, oh my God, major fail. They missed on both. LT, your feeling. 
I am with you on this one. Like, uh, you know, I'm the opposite. I'm not on the other side, like the Cabo Abo, you know, description there. This goes again to proof of my, this is a concept album. What is the source of infection? It's the guave worm that he ate. Okay. <laughs> it has infected his brain. All right. He's in Cabo Abo. He's in rehab. And the only thing he can say is basically have a Tourette's fit where he's saying, I'm just going to read the lyrics here. Okay. Here we go. Hey. All right. Woo. How about you now? Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dig it. That's right. Is everybody ready? Let's go. Crank it. Blow out. Uh, that's a lyric. Ouch. Help me. And then finally, now flip me over. What is that? That's like a, a, uh, it's like James Brown with a head injury. This entire song. I can't listen to it like, without laughing. This, it's comedy. It's, it's like a Weird Al Yankovic track of a Van Halen song. I rest my case. Steven, <laughs> even in Sammy's book, he writes <laughs> source of infection dash ug. <laughs> that's another lyric. Okay. So this song. <laughs> this song is the perfect example of why a band like Van Halen needs a Ted Templeman. <sighs> this album so severely could have used a producer, even if it's not Ted, it could have used a real producer for some reason. This song, let's talk about the good stuff about this song. There are some good things here. <laughs> okay. You should have Go put crickets there. <laughs> okay. Here, let's talk about a couple of good things. So, can I can I begin this? This is called Stephen's defense of source no, of infection. No, no, <laughs> get, no. Up, get on up there, man. No, lawyer up. I think it's a complete pile of shit. But let me talk about the positives first. <laughs> I think this song is an unfinished song. I think that it was an idea that they had that they just put the idea on tape, and that's what you hear. I think the beginning solo is really good. I think it sounds great. It's, uh, you know, that open up. I think it does sound a lot like uh, they're trying to capture the hot for teacher thing. I wish people would quit trying to talk about Yankee Rose and shit. Cause again, this is two years after that. So just stop with the whole controversy between Dave and Sammy. It's, it's a dead issue, but I think that I like the beginning opening solo thing. And also there's a section in this song I think it's a bridge or something where I think it's actually a good chord change and sounds pretty good. And I like the background vocals, but that's it. There is nothing else. I think they could have salvaged a couple of those pieces, worked a new song and put together a great song because we know from history that they've had great ideas that together when they pieced them together with other things, they became these great songs. This just isn't one of them where it had a couple of good ideas and they left it as is. Okay, so our next track, if you listen to any 80s Genesis, this is basically 80s Genesis. Mm. Feels so good. Elsie, what do you think? I was actually going to say that this was their attempt to be the police or, or something like that because that even has the line – I'm also getting that because it says, I'll send a message in a bottle. You're not allowed to say that basically past that when the police, after the police. Ever is, again. Ever again. Nobody you can't ever? Say, I don't think so. No, you can't. Not in a song. Not as part of like a chorus. You can't say message in a bottle. But as that, I don't know, that kind of like pure 80s. I'll say Genesis totally was a reach for that kind of thing. My only other comments about this song are just the simple fact of how it fits into, again, the concept album is, again, he was in Cabo Wabo. He had a big blowout with his with his, the, the woman he fell in love with. And that's why he ate the guavi worm. He had a source of infection. He went to rehab. He's in rehab right now and he's, he's, he's getting back. He's reuniting with his lady. And that's why he feels so good and has decided to, to write a Genesis slash police song.
and Steven, the first minute of the song is a complete waste. I, I, I don't need the ambiance setting. That probably doesn't make my wife happy about the foreplay piece of the world either, but I just don't need it. Just get to it. It's definitely foreplay, though, the song, too, in the concept for next song. I like it, and I can't wait to see what happens to Luce when he's stuck on a desert island and he can't say, I send a message in a bottle. So, I said, in a song. Well, you sing most of the, your SOSs for help. <sighs> Do you trust the mercy of the sea in that situation? Sammy did. You don't have a choice. <laughs> I don't it's think true. the question is, do I trust it? Do you trust it, Luce? What about stormy weather? Ooh. <laughs> That's what I really like about this song in particular, some of the background vocals, some of those oohs. It's not a bad, I'll just summarize it too. I just, for my, I know we're not ranking these, but it's actually a pretty well-written song. It's just not a Van Halen song that I would go to. So the next track, Finish What You Started, you know, the friends that uh, I know that love Van Halen, man, there is either complete hate for this song or complete love for this song. I am actually on the love side. I have heard this many times live. It comes off great live. I love the video. I just love the feel of the song because it feels a little beachy to me. And Sammy delivers a great vocal and just it's kind of nice not to have, you know, if you're going to bring it down a little bit and make it almost half acoustic, almost feeling that it doesn't have any ripping all over the song. Uh, it's kind of nice to have a song like that from Van Halen. Elsie, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this this is a perfect song, no matter what the band is. I, I, I love every moment of this song. I mean, if you're right here, I mean, this this song is just, you know, this takes me from six to midnight. It's it's a boner track. Immediately, from the lyrics to that, that just that, it's never left a playlist. It's on every single playlist that, that I have. It's a nice, like, uh, interlude. Doesn't matter if it's a rock one or not. It's just a perfectly executed song.
and how's it play into the thing? <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, this is where where he's saying, like, hey, listen, we fell in love. We found that it was love. We went through this whole turmoil on the island. Now we're off the island. We've escaped from the island with some soundtrack from the Elder. And we've gotten back to the mainland and everything like that. Now we got to finish what you started. we got to take this to the next level. We're either getting married or you're going to finish me off. Whatever the situation is, we got to get this because... When we get into the bedroom, you might get black and blue, but that's next track. <laughs> this video has Sammy kicking a lot for some reason. I, I was watching the video <laughs> and I'm like, why are you kicking? Like, I don't want not to this song. put a shirt on. And yeah. put a shirt on. Like, yeah. I, I just like, whatever. Steven, this probably has a closer diver down feel that we got on this album. I can see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. That's the first time I've heard that, but I can see that. I love this song as well. I think it's a nice bluesy kind of chill type tune. And I know I've said it and I'll continue to say it because it's true. The background vocals and Sammy and Michael together on this song are freaking amazing. They are, to quote Loose Cannon and his podcast, bananas. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I haven't heard Brutal yet, by the way. Okay. But but you you weren't going to use Brutal for Source of Infection? I I forgot. Oh, okay. All right. All right, so the next track, Black and Blue, LC joined us today, and he put these little kiss figures behind him. Of course, you can't see him because it's an audio podcast. But the star child is absolutely pissed that he did not write these lyrics in <laughs> 1984. LC, your feels about this song? You know, this song gets, yes, I'm, I'm guessing this is where you're going to use the brutal or something. Well, they, I, I got to tell you right now, this song is what made me spend my lawn uh, mowing money on this album, I heard this and I immediately, you know, I didn't even wear pants with pleats, but I was blaming the boner in my pants on the pleats. Okay. For after I heard this song, I mean, we're talking about slip and slide, push it in. Bitch sure got the rhythm. Oh my God. Things just take a turn with Sammy on this journey of love. I mean, he is getting, he's being a gentleman in public and he's being rough in, behind doors because, but I love, I love the riff. I love everything about this. This is the buildup to the climax of this album. This three song thing from finish what you started to the end. And then the concept is to finish what you started there in the bedroom now. The whips come out or what's going on? Something, man. I mean, Sammy is just getting getting rough. But I, I love it. This is this is just a pure rock song. And again, you know, uh, you know, there's no accounting for taste. This is why this is why I bought the album. It was this song? This is the song that I heard. I wasn't one this love. That didn't do it for me. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I got this.
So as many know, and I know Steven knows this too, uh, when I'm driving around, I listen to a lot of music before I go into the store, so I'll be humming a song, right? And, you, know, you just start humming. And this is one of those choruses, man, that swim in your head. But then when somebody innocently asks you, hey, what you humming? Like, you can't go, well, do it to her black and blue. Like, yeah. make up, like I have to have a, I'm, I'm on happy birthday. Like, I have to have, like, go-to things I can say that don't embarrass me. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Stephen, your thoughts dun, about dun, the song? Everybody wants a classy lady in public and a whore in the bedroom. Yeah. Come on. It's natural. Everybody might not say it, but everybody's thinking it. Hey, this song oozes sex, right? I love the groove in this song. This song is right up my alley. I don't know that it's a typical Van Halen tune because it's a little bit more groove oriented, but mm. I love it nonetheless. I think it's great. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I can say about this song. I dig this song. Okay, so the last song on technically the official CD, if you first got it, most likely your last song is Sucker in a Three-Piece. It kind of depends on if you got the remaster, if you got it on Spotify, or you got a uh, European version, etc. But Sucker in a Three-Piece, it's okay. It's a little thin on lyrics to me. Uh, it's not as bad as Source of Infection lyrics, uh, but uh, Sucker in a Three-Piece. I guess, LC, this is like, okay, I did you, now you got to go get a job. Is that what this is? No, this is that she is, things happen. People drift apart. People aren't the same as they continue down relationships. And she wants something that's a little more than a guy in a jumpsuit and a big fro, you know, a blonde fro. So she goes and gets herself a guy that with a professional job, man that does a nine to five deal. He wears a suit, but she still messes around with Sammy on the side. As you can see, it's a, she likes it, but they still do it behind closed doors and everything like that. First off, the working title for the song was Single Entendre. There's not a single thing that's subtle about this song. We're talking about she's so fine on the nine out of ten with long legs straight up to her lunch pail. I've never heard that term before or <laughs> since for a lady's province. <laughs> lunch pail? That's even worse than Hornet's Nest is a, is a, is a Kiss fan. <laughs> is that the actual lyrics? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. don't know that? Straight on up to her lunch pail. If you refer to a woman's privates as a lunch pail... You are God. That's why she's with the sucker in a three paces. He's talking this game. I'm totally using that again. <laughs> I don't know how, but I'm totally using that somewhere. Okay. Let's, how about this? Sweet little wishbone. Don't want to break her in half. Lick up one side, down the other. Always makes her laugh. Ha. These are the lyrics. You want to talk about this is he went straight. Paul Stanley, you know, you make me rock. Hard. You're right. Forget black and blue. This. <laughs> is Kiss, like, top of the mountain lyric writing here.
Stephen, I dare you later to say to Jen, hey, uh, baby, come on, <laughs> show me your lunch pail. And she would be like, what the? <laughs> Sign here for the divorce, Mr. <laughs> Misogyny alert there. The first thing that comes to mind when I hear this song, it's the uh, overall ACDC feel to this song. Mm, uh, really? Yes, especially okay. in the music. I speak more about the music than anything, but now that you mentioned some of those lyrics, I can 100% hear some of those lyrics coming out of Bon Scott's mouth. So that's the overall feel because to me, even though I know that there was an ACDC Van Halen connection uh, over the years, they never really, to me, wrote a ACDC song. At least none are coming to mind right off the bat. And this song sort of has that feel for me. Uh, so that's that's where I would go. I don't. It's definitely not the worst song on the album. I don't hate it, but it's also not the best. I want to add one other thing too: is that uh, this song ends with "suck it up" down to the last drop, or "lick it up," and it's like it's like just kind of gross. And that's how it ends. And everything. I just want a quick funny story on this: is that uh, I'm obligated sometimes as a parent to put together these these playlists for like birthday parties and crap like that. And one one year, my like two or three year old son had something that was like a candy theme party. And I was like, I'm going to fuck with this thing. And, and like, I had tons of people over and, you know, there's certain songs like candy by cameo or whatever like that, or whatever the themes are. I threw this thing in there. And all of a sudden, like halfway through the party, you're like, what is the, the song? You know what I mean? Like, like, Hey, it's got sucker in it. It qualifies. <laughs> Don't ask me to make playlists anymore. Look it up yeah. for the last drop. Nice. Nice. Blow up the candles. Good fathering. <laughs> all right. So if you got the cassette or the vinyl, that's when Sucker and Three Piece ends. But if you got it on Spotify or the CD, AA Political Blues ends this thing. And I didn't know the Little Feet cover. So when I heard it, I'm like, okay, whatever. Later when I found out it was a Little Feet cover, I'm like, all right, maybe Van Halen just messed it up. So let me go listen to the original. The original is Baruch. <laughs> this song just sucks ass, period. Nobody should ever do it, including Little Feet.
Elsie, what do you think? How in this world can you have the outro of To the Last Drop, which means the album's over, and they think we're going to throw this as a bonus track? I didn't even know this thing existed. I had the, I, I had the vinyl back in 1998. That wasn't on mine? Was it on the cassette? Was it ever on the original release? It or wasn't on later? the cassette, but it was on the CD. Okay, so I wouldn't get that's probably why I got the vinyl as at least worst Van Halen song, period. I don't care. Awful. Cover or not. Terrible. It doesn't fit. Why is it there? And it doesn't fit the the theme. No, not, that's not I'm not counting that in the theme. No, no. I think he goes in a political career and he's like Anthony Weiner or something like that, gets some scandals. No, there nothing. This is over. Doesn't count. I was surprised we even talk about the song. I'm exhausted even speaking about it. Doesn't it fit? It's a nine track album. Blasphemy. So I'm thinking that because it's little feet. Maybe it's an old people's song. So, Stephen, you must love this. <laughs> That's <a> top. <laughs> Is this hit your bang zone? Before I get into my take on this song, I have to ask. So the concept loose for this record then ends at the chick who's cheating on her husband with Sammy and the guy that's in three-piece suit. No. Okay. So the, the concept is he realizes I'm, I need to discontinue my rock star life because the fact is, is that he's going to be on tour. He still gets a side action with this lady and everything like that. When it's love, sometimes love, you know, it has different, pe- means different things to different people. He's a guy that's on tour all the time. He's going to have his side action. She's going to have hers and somehow it all works together, but he has figured out that this is what makes him complete in his mind all mine for Sammy. So that's the journey. He's figured out where he is. And then he, uh, he's on, on the pound cake. All right. I got it. I thought you were going to go to this is what makes his world go round. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to do another kid for Oh, damn it. I should have. All right. I got it. So a political blues. So the history of this song, first of all, is yes, this song sucks ass. Uh, <laughs> let me get that out of the way. And no, because I'm old has nothing to do with this song. It's just not a good song. I was never a huge Little Feet fan to begin with. <laughs> Who is? Yeah. Well, exactly. The history is, is Don Landy was the original engineer for the original version with Little Feet. He and Ted Templeman together produced Little Feet. So that's Mm. why this song was done. My personal thought is of all the millions of songs, all the millions and millions of songs that they could have covered, this is what they come up with. Come on, guys. Come on. You're killing me. Uh, So, yeah, not not a good ending to to me uh, what is already an album that is sort of weak and needed a producer and they end it with this. So meh. I'll leave it. One thing too is imagine you're that kid. He's tight on money and he decides I'm going to spend the extra six or $8 for the CD version. And this is the reward you get for that extra spend. (laughs) So these reviews, we don't normally rank the songs, but we usually ask for a top two, bottom two. So I'm going to tell you my top two is when it's love and finish what you started. My bottom two I think Source of Infection is worse than AA Political Blues. And the reason I say that is they wrote that shit on purpose. AA Political Blues is a bad decision. Source of Infection <laughs> is written that way on purpose. So yeah. that gets the worst bill for me. LC, how about you? My bottom two on this is, again, Source of Infection. I'm not even, I don't care what the rules are in here. I'm going to break them. I'm not putting AA Political views, Blues, whatever. Doesn't exist in my world, okay? So Source of Infection and Feels So Good are the two worst ones. Top two. I'm going to tell you, Sucker in a Three-Piece, most ripping uh, Sammy era song ever. And then Finish What You Started tied with Cabo Wabo, but I'll go with uh, Finish What You Started. And Steven, how about you? God, my bottom two are going to be Source of Infection and Apolitical Blues. My top two are going to be AFU Naturally Wired and Black and Blue. Cool. All right. So before we get our final thoughts on OU812, let's connect this to KISS. (laughs) 
It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so 1988 is a touring year for Kiss, honestly. Uh, they had some hits with Crazy Nights, and they start a tour in November of 87 that goes all the way to October of 88. And then the record company decides to release a compilation because they're coming off a tour. So in mid-November, they release Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits to take advantage of all these new fans they got. And since a lot of these new fans are kind of like hair metal type fans, they want to expose them to some of the 70s classics. So it's a good collection of songs. The problem is that the classics they picked, Detroit Rock City, Love Gun, I Love It Loud, Deuce, Calling Dr. Love, Strutter, Rock and Roll All Night, Shout It Out Loud, are all remixed. And I actually like the originals better. And I don't know why they remixed them. They added Lick It Up, Heaven's On Fire, Tears Are Falling. Okay, got you. And then, of course, the song that pissed every classic Kiss fan off, Eric Carr redoes Peter Chris's Beth. And every Kiss fan was pissed off. At least classic Kiss fan. You Kiss fans didn't know the difference. But there's also two new tracks on this thing, both co-written by Paul Stanley and Desmond. Both songs have a very 80s hair metal feel. One's called Let's Put the X in Sex. That is what it is. And the other one is the one we're going to spin for you. So here's a second newly written track for 1988 Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Mr. Paul Stanley gets a little help from Desmond Child and Diane Warren. And they write a fun one called You Make Me Rock Hard.
part where it's almost the same thing. It's loves a glove and it fits so right. And then the other one is a reverse of something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's like, yeah, almost the same it, lyric. Uh, loves just a glove and it fits just right. That's rock yeah, hard, that's right? Or is it yeah. X and sex? That's rock. That's rock hard. The X and sex one is rock hard, baby. X in, yeah. But there's a, there's another thing that he compares it to fitting too for X. And yeah, sex. love likes a glove and it. Wait, you put the X and sex. Make me want to flex. I forgot the line on it. Loves like a muscle, and it makes me want to flex. Or loves like a glove. What is it? You got to (laughs) pick. Your thoughts on the song, though, Elsie? No. You don't like that song? No, I like. I actually do like X and Sex. If I was going to take those two, that one has a good uh, that Dan Alana, Dan Dan Alana. You know, it's it's, could have been on Crazy Nights ish or whatever like that. But Rock Hard. Can I do a quick synopsis on Smashes, Thrusts, and Hits? Because that's kind of funny. Okay, so. I just thought it was super weird that there was two Paul songs and no Gene that they just threw there on there. It's just kind of like killers is like too much. Like I always thought that was kind of odd when they did that. But the the remix, it wasn't until that was one of the first times I heard some of those songs. I heard I Love It Loud and I didn't hear the original until years later when I was a kid. And I was like, this is the same song. This for, I didn't even like it because it, they took the drum out and the remixes were just I'm going to take this time to say smashes, thrashes and hits. Brutal. The entire collection, how it's done. They made um, Shout It Out Loud last like four and a half minutes. The chorus never ends. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that? Like a lot of them were extended. Like Calling Dr. Love was an extra. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's my synopsis. Steven, your thought on You Make Me Rock Hard. Not that you make me rock hard. I yeah. would love for you to say that to Jen later on. Ooh. <laughs> what makes you think I haven't said that already? Because <laughs> she hasn't thrown you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. There's always a first. Anyhow, my sentiments are actually pretty close to Toulouse. Is I, I uh, like um, X and Sex a little bit better. And I like it for that very reason that uh, Luce pointed out. This song is, I don't know, it's just kind of okay. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. All right, cool. So let's get some final thughts on OU812. Elsie, do you recommend people take a listen or it's just like listen to these four songs and skip the rest or something like that no i like i like the album overall i think there's only really two really bad stinkers the ones that i listed on my bottom i i, I really like I, I like i mentioned in the beginning i'm not an anti-samite i support the sammy era i like both i didn't really like it as much when i was younger but i've really grown to appreciate sammy a lot more as i've gotten uh maybe not wiser but just calm down a little bit don't need all the roth all the time you know what i mean no overall i think oh yeah one two is, is a solid album i think it flows i think it's another solid addition to the catalog yeah that's my overall i say buy it and just don't get the bonus track and then steven where where was your mindset by the time this album comes out because i know you're pissed off when 5150 is out have you calmed down no, I'm still checked out at this point. I didn't come back around <laughs> to Van Halen. In fact, I was more dis- I was more disconnected with this album than I was 5150. I could see that. Just because I, I really had I checked out at 5150 because Dave's gone. So OU812, I can't tell you that I remember much about when this record came out at all. But here's what I really like about this album series that we're doing is with the Sammy Hagar albums, especially I know so little about them that (laughs) when I go, and I mean that when I go to dig into the records, I discover stuff, which is kind of cool. One thing I forgot to mention that I had no clue about until I started doing research for this album is that if you listen to Cabo Wabo, Cabo Wabo is actually a song off the first Montrose album called Make It Last. Go listen to that song, and the melody is exactly the same as Cabo Wabo. Which track? It's called Make It Last. It's the last track on the first Montrose record. Go listen to it. The melody is the exact same as Cabo Wabo. And so I read that, and I went and checked it out, and I'm like, holy shit, it is. I didn't know that. 
it's always fun to do the research. I appreciate it. And this album, I always tell people, listen to the full record because you need to get to really soak in an album and make a decision. You need to listen to that album from start to finish and don't just listen to Cabo Wabo or finish what you started, that type stuff. As a whole, it's a Van Halen record. I just think that it could have severely used a producer. Yeah. And I just want to say one other thing too, is that obviously the whole concept thing, a joke people, but that's the only way I can validate why this was, this is the worst. I can tell you this much. This is the worst sequenced Van Halen album of all their discography. I think it just makes no sense. The good stuff is always in the second half of both sides to me. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, Luce, tell us what is going on at Cobras and Fire lately. Um, you guys have done all kinds of like spinoffs and I don't know what <laughs> the hell's going on with you guys. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, first off, if, if anybody hasn't uh, heard our podcast before, um, so it's called Cobras and Fire. Our whole theme is Rocks Not Dead. Uh, we have absurd discussions about life, music, and basically we make fun of what we love. So this whole stuff about the concept album, silliness, that's kind of the the flavor of what we, we do on our show. We've been around since – 2015, so celebrate six years earlier. And by the way, happy birthday to you guys. I think you hit four recently. Uh, we're coming up to it, I think. Coming up to it? Okay. Yeah. And yeah, the the so Cobras and Fire Now, by the way, also I want to say great job, the fact that you guys have consistently come out weekly for that entire time you've been, been around. So that's very rare to see in any podcast, doesn't matter what genre it is. So uh, that goes into ours too. The official Cobras and Fire episode that always comes out is on a Tuesday, like new release music Tuesday from back in the day, consistently every two weeks. And then alternating weeks, we have interviews from everybody from Judas Priest. Uh, we, we have tons of interview apps and everything like that. But the main theme of the show is discover new music, celebrate the, the classic and have fun while doing so. I'm surprised you didn't mention Ron Keel. You've interviewed him 18 <laughs> times. Me? That's not me, man. That's Baco. That's, he has an entire sidecast of, of Ron Keel. I think he's done it five times. He's He's uh, they're now done in a virtual hot tub. If you've heard any of these interviews between the the two, but uh, no man, I mean Baco is uh, Baco is my uh, uh, fearless and 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 amazing co-host who keeps the the engine running because uh, I had to be realistic and say I can put out new content every two weeks if we're going to be consistent because I don't want to just be like pod fade. And he has done. If you are no, you guys are in eh, as far as some of the grunge era, but there's a whole sidecast to to that he did top to bottom amazing interviews with everybody that from the genre from people involved in the album to producers called whatever never mind that just completed its whole cycle top 25 uh, um grunge albums he's got a thing called uh sun's out mike's out that comes every other week where he's just interviewing random people outside <laughs> that's that's the, during the, barbecue or something right yeah i did barbecue having people over he had don jameson you know last week on there but it's a little mix mix of everything, but uh, yeah, we just like you guys, we do it for the passion and we have respect for the genre. But also, my God, this is the most glorious type of music that you can have fun with the fodder that's produced as a result. Don't wouldn't you agree? So much content to talk about. Oh yeah, well we got endless content. There's no doubt about it. And before I hand it off to uh, Stephen to close here, thanks for the kind words. I think what I'm most proud of podcast wise is the every week because yep. it ain't easy to do no. it. No. And folks, uh, you know, it sounds cool that, hey, you can talk to friends, you just throw it on, uh, you know, some uh, some form out there and it gets on all these podcast channels, blah, blah. It ain't it easy as it sounds. Uh, I only do about a tenth of the work, so uh, I make it sound easy sometimes. But, uh, yeah, doing it every week is that tough guy. sometimes. Yeah, and the editing. All the work. Yeah, great job editing this, too. There's so many. I mean, it's not like I'm just, like, uh, fluffing you guys. But seriously, there's a lot. There's... 
with podcasts, you just basically have to be the tallest midget. There's so many bad ones out there. So as long as you you edit properly, put the effort into it, and you can always tell the ones that actually put the effort in and, and, and Grown Up Rock is definitely one of them. Yeah. And that's really the point is like, you can put a podcast out there. Anybody can do a podcast and that's one of the great things about it, but it's also one of the bad things about it because some of the quality, some of the audio quality is so bad out there. And that just, that's what turns me off. When I started this podcast, I wanted it to be sound good. I wanted it to be a show and people could listen to it in the car and Sonny he kids about the one tenth of the work. Sonny does a lot more than the one tenth of the work. And now Sonny is doing a lot of the editing, which is a huge help, like a major help. And he's awesome at it. He does a great job. And so now I feel like four years in, cause we're coming up on our fourth, we are just sort of starting to hit that stride where we know who does what really well. And, and we play those strengths and that's a, a fun thing. Then it, then it becomes fun. Then it becomes fun to do this thing. And uh, Baco on Cobras and Fire, your partner, he does a great job uh, with a lot of the content and the interviews. And uh, you guys together, just you have a really good chemistry and work really well. I love listening to the absurdities that come out of your mouth on the normal uh, <laughs> biweekly episodes when you guys are doing comedy. And I'll ride in my car and scream at the radio and say, how do you not know this shit? You guys are idiots all the time. No, you do not come to our show to learn anything. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, just, that is 100%. That's also part of the tagline. You will not learn anything if you listen to the show. And possibly you will become dumber as a result. Yes? Does yeah. that sound like Billy Madison? Yeah. A little bit? And Baca's, okay. Baca's side cast with the grunge era stuff. I did one episode with him on that, but yep. the overall job that he did with that and all the different people, the producers and stuff that he had came in, it's a, it's a treasure trove of stuff for any grunge fan, first of all, but he did such a great job with that that it actually sort of gave me an inspiration for just this Van Halen series of albums to do because... Oh, that's cool. You know, it basically it said, hey, you can still have your show and do this as part of your show. And even though we keep it called what it is, it is part of the Grown Up Rock thing. It just for this entire year with Eddie's passing and my Van Halen love being, you know, my big main band, I felt like it gave me a spark to do this throughout the year. And, and I love it. I've really loved doing this. So it's been fun. I've had fun being on this, this episode. Uh, let me just pimp the show one more time. That's Cobras and is where you can find all links to all of our, anywhere you can get the podcast, but also it has categories, if I could speak. In other words, that what, what Stephen is mentioning is the whatever, never mind is its whole category. So all 40 episodes with all the interviews with producers and people involved in the album are there for the whatever mind part in the, on that site as well. So, so thank you. No, it's, it's hard. It's getting these scheduled, right? Yeah. And after Van Halen, we were thinking about doing uh, Kingdom Come in 2022, but then that would involve me listening to Kingdom Come sure. albums. So we won't be doing it. No. Well, the only thing I'll say is I'm a little offended about is I uh, I think the next, it shouldn't be Kingdom Come. I think it should be Pink Cream 69 discography. Oh, yeah. There you Stephen? go. No, we're doing the Yes discography in 2022. No. Uh, one album per month, and um, the series <laughs> will last roughly four or five years. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Okay. No, I kid, I kid. 
It's been fun. Now, uh, Loose Cannon, you've been a very interesting take on OU812. We've appreciated your humor and your fun to this episode. You bought a little bit different spark to what these album reviews have been. So I appreciate that. And I'm glad we got this scheduled. Uh, so thank you very much for uh, coming on the show and being part of this. Yeah, man. Looking forward to hanging out with both of you guys at Rockin' Pod and uh, get out to Denver with uh, you, know, you and Jen sometime next time. Make an excuse to see some kind of other 80s rock fest. The important thing is, Luce, are you coming on the Monsters of Rock cruise with us in 2022? I have actually reached out to certain parties for a roommate situation. So I may, uh, for those listening, that are, you may meet me in person. That's right. Wow. Kids, I may be coming on the Monsters of Rock cruise and figuring that out and validating it to the powers that be somewhere in this uh, structure house and everything <laughs> like that, as, as you have to do. Um, even have a little side hustle thing going on for some consulting and things like that to help validate taking away for, hey, yeah, you know, I want to spend thousands of dollars uh, hanging out with Pink Cream 69, but or I could pay for education by my children. But here's how I validate it. That's what you have to do. Yeah, I think you'll have a blast. I'll tell you what. I know I will. <laughs> it's one I'm figuring out. There's a big old party, uh, a big old pack of us now because we basically have become a gang now after the past uh, year. Or so there's a bunch of us podcasters going, and it'll be a party for sure if you join the bunch. How many bands per day? We say is realistic to go to six, seven. You can't see them more. all. You could see ten bands a day if you really wanted to. But then you won't be able to hang with anybody. That's what I mean. Like if you if you put your expectation at six, is that a pretty good? Yeah, yeah. And everybody plays twice. Exactly. So you can choose when you want to see them. And this will be your second time going or third? This is my fourth. This wow. will be my fourth. Like, your fourth, you, my third. Yeah. Awesome. And the good thing about this, at least as it is now, they always kind of add things as it gets closer to cruise time. But right now, it looks like they've got a few lesser bands a few less bands on the bill. So that's actually, I view that as a good thing. All right, cool. Excellent. All right. So that's it. Grown up rock listeners. OU812 is in the books. Next up will be uh, the fuck record uh, for Van mm -hmm. Halen. So we will get to that next month. Loose Cannon. We appreciate your time. Growing up rock listeners. We appreciate your time. Sunny Hollywood Pooney. Do you have anything to add before we get up on out of here? Yeah, thanks for listening. Well, guys, I'm a little hungry, so I got to go grab uh, my lunch pail. We are out of here. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.